Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows. If you're involved with a PBS or community access television station or an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or perhaps a podcast or just a computer and would like to share the programs, please feel free to do so. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international issues impact our lives. Welcome to today's Global Connections program. I'm Bill Miller. Today, we're going to be taking a look at several really interesting and important organizations that are working to help create a better world and to help women develop gender equity and to eliminate poverty. My guest is an expert on all of these. My guest today is Carrie Hessler-Radlett. Ms. Radlett joined PCI, the Project Concern International, as president and CEO in 2017 after serving as the 19th director of the United States Peace Corps from 2014 to 2017. She now serves also as the president of Global Communities. Carrie Hessler-Radlett, welcome to today's Global Connections program. Thank you, it's such a pleasure to be with you, Bill. I appreciate you being with me today. And you and I have the unique distinction of being in the same cities in different states. <laughs> so right. there are many, many famous things are happening today. But Carrie, I appreciate it. Let's start off with when you were at the Peace Corps, uh, just for an overview. Of course, we remember in 1961, President John F. Kennedy started the Peace Corps. And it basically, it was an idea that mobilized the really the spirit of the youth, but also I think of the whole country and also a large part of the world to have young Americans go overseas to help develop uh, in economically developing countries and to share America with people overseas, but to bring that experience home. Uh, how, where, how did you get involved with the Peace Corps? You know, I actually come from a family of Peace Corps volunteers. I, uh, my family is the first and I think only four generation Peace Corps family. So you might wonder how that happened. Um, my aunt was the first Peace Corps director. She served in Turkey. Uh, she was actually number 10,000 um, in, in Peace Corps uh, volunteer lore. So she was the 10,000th volunteer to swear in as a Peace Corps volunteer. So she was there from 64 to 66. And I was a young girl at the time, I was seven years old. And I just thought it was incredibly exotic that, that my aunt was a volunteer in a rural community. She worked in an orphanage. Um, shortly thereafter in the early seventies, my grandparents who were her parents uh, retired from their positions and they served uh, as a married couple in Malaysia. And so I grew up with these two role models. Um, and by the time I graduated from university in the late seventies, I knew I wanted to be a Peace Corps volunteer. I had just gotten married to my husband, Steve Radlett, and we went off to serve in Samoa in the Pacific. And then the fourth generation is my nephew who served as a Peace Corps volunteer in Mozambique doing HIV AIDS work uh, in the mid 2000s. So, we're a four-generation Peace Corps family and uh, very committed to it. It's a wonderful organization. I was in it, you were in it, and I think close to a quarter million, slightly over a quarter million young, well, I will say all young, but Americans have, have returned from Peace Corps service. And today we see that even though COVID is 
upset us quite a bit. It's really thrown some major roadblocks that uh, the Peace Corps is in 60 countries, 60 plus countries. Exactly. So it's still it's still alive and well. And our viewers can go to uh, peacecorps.gov to get more information on the United States Peace Corps. You did a lot of monumental, instrumental activities and had a lot of achievements as Peace Corps director. What were one or two of the ones that you remember as being some of the most substantive that you were involved in as forest reforms or helping to improve the Peace Corps? Uh, thanks for that. You know, we we were there. I was the director and I, I served alongside Aaron Williams. Actually, I was the deputy to Aaron Williams. And I know you've interviewed him in the past. And then um, I became the director in 2012 uh, under President Obama. And it was really just a pivotal time in American history where there was an interest in modernizing and reforming. Uh, there was a lot of conversation in the public space around uh, preventing sexual harassment, abuse, and exploitation at work. And um, I would say that was one of the major reforms we undertook was a, an effort to make sure that our volunteers, and especially our female volunteers, were safe um, while serving. And that involved a massive amount of work, uh, engaging with volunteers and survivors. Um, to, uh, to craft a program that involved over 60 policy changes. Uh, we created an Office of Victim uh, Advocacy. We um, did training for virtually all volunteers and all staff with specialized training for first responders to respond to um, sexual assault and harassment uh, of volunteers. Um, we created a whole new cadre of staff called sexual assault uh, response liaisons at the country level and, and a lot of specialized training for our uh, safety and security officers. Mm -hmm. So a, a, a really comprehensive response to the area of uh, sexual assault uh, prevention and response. It's really important for all volunteers um, to be as safe as they possibly can. That is our top priority uh, within Peace Corps. So, that was one that was exceptionally public, I would say. Um, less public, but I would say equally important are the reforms that we made uh, to the recruitment process to make um, it really easy to uh, access uh, an application and apply online. Uh, we allowed for the first time ever for volunteers to actually choose the country and the program that they could apply for. And that also meant putting online our programs, which meant that um, we were providing video coverage and um, live conversations between uh, volunteers and potential applicants all online using all the digital tools that are available to, uh, to us right now to make the Peace Corps experience come alive for applicants. Um, we also did a lot of work around improving the technical quality and program support around uh, volunteers. So making sure that the work that they were doing in their communities was uh, based on evidence and was proven to be effective at achieving development impact. So really providing a lot of training of volunteers and then linking them to other development uh, efforts that were taking place in their communities and in their countries. So that's just a smattering of some of the work that we did, but we, I, you know, while we were there during the time Aaron and I were there for eight years under the Obama administration, we um, undertook the largest reform effort that ever had been undertaken within Peace Corps. So it was a time of great activity and uh, growth. 
And it's certainly amazing all the logistical work that has to go into moving a volunteer safely to another part of the world to maintain that volunteer and to bring that person home safely. And there's a tremendous amount of work. You also, uh, we won't have time to go into, but I think you helped launch at that time, a, a very interesting memorandum of understanding with Rotary International. Is that yes, correct? exactly. I worked with John Cuco, who was a guest on your program just a few weeks ago to create the first memorandum of understanding between Rotary and Peace Corps volunteers. Rotarians and volunteers have been working together for years, but it was very informal. And this was a way to formalize it and make it more impactful. It was wonderful. And it's, it continues to this day. It certainly does. Getting stronger, which is even getting better. Stronger, getting and stronger. And of course, very strong ties. Right. And put a plug in for an organization I've been involved with for many years. Uh, our viewers can go to rotary.org to get more information on Rotary International. Well, let's shift over, if we could, carry over to the project. Concern International. You're the president of that. And what, well, first off, you call it PCI. Uh, basically, what is its main mission? When was it formed? Uh, how many folks have you affected in the international arena and domestically too, through your programs? PCI was uh, created in 1961, the same year as the Peace Corps. And um, our mission is to uh, empower communities to advance health and hunger overcome hardship and advance women and girls. So we work in uh, broad community development, but really focusing on health, food security and, um, and gender equity across all of our programs. We have a gender lens. Um, we have recently merged with global communities, which is why I'm president and CEO of PCI at the same time as being president of global communities. So now we work in 37 countries around the world. Um, and Global Communities is another organization that um, works in many of the same areas, although Global Communities also has a, a microfinance institute, which is a for-profit organization called the Vitas Group. And we also have a really robust humanitarian assistance response. Where, so we're working in places like Syria and Yemen through our work in Global Communities. And we just happened to have a video, a short video of about a minute, 45 seconds of a little overview of PCI and what you're doing in that area. So let's take a look at the video and we'll come back and talk about it. Open your eyes. Can you see it? It's in the smile of a child no one thought would reach her first birthday, taking root in the soil of once infertile ground, laid into the foundation of homes built to withstand disaster and written across the faces of women leading change for the first time. Potential exists wherever you look, in families and communities close to home and around the world. But turning this potential into real and lasting progress requires action on all our parts. Since 1961, Project Concern International has worked hand in hand with communities to enhance health, end hunger, overcome hardship, and advance women and girls. From the hills of Latin America, to the streets of India, across the savannas of Africa, and in neighborhoods throughout the United States. We know and have seen what is possible when people are able to move past survival and into vibrant futures of their own design. Families are empowered to break the cycle of poverty. 
children get the healthiest start to life. More girls attend school, communities become safer, economies grow, and potential is realized. All of us benefit when we embrace our common humanity and let dignity be our guide. We see it every day. Will you join us? Carrie, that was very interesting. I think that summarized very nicely. Uh, you were talking earlier about uh, promoting gender equity. And every time I hear that, I think of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, especially goal number five. Goal number five, promote, very important. Promote gender equity and gender equality. How do, you, how do you build, well, of course, now I don't want to, a lot of our folks may not be quite as familiar with the Sustainable Development Goals, but they're 17 laudable goals to eliminate poverty, to eliminate hunger, to combat climate change, to promote partnerships. And all of this was on a 15 year continuum from 2016 through 2030. How do you build upon that goal number five, as well as some of the others? I know the, the anti-poverty, anti-hunger goals are of great importance to you, but how do you incorporate yes, them into maybe. your programming? Thank you. Um, I'm so glad you brought this up because the SDGs are very, SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, are very much a part of our work and we work across a number of them. Um, in terms of gender equity, much of what we do is try to apply a gender lens into all of our work. So we are especially focused on empowering women and girls. Um, and that can take many forms depending on, on uh, the activity. Um, one of our main programs is a program called Women Empowered, which is a wonderful program that actually is funded by um, uh, family foundation that we're very close uh, to in San Diego. And this is a program that provides um, leadership training and financial inclusion kinds of training to women in every country that we work in. So if we have a health project, we have a women empowered program. If we have a, a food security and agriculture project, we still have a women empowered program. It's a way to get women involved and engaged, give them skills in basic financial literacy, but also some leadership skills, some skills to increase their confidence level to get them involved in civic activities in their community and really be forces for change in their community, along with the great development work that we're doing around agriculture or health or what have you. So it's a way of harnessing the, the incredible power and potential of women and girls wherever they are in whatever program we have. Um, it also involves empowering men and boys too, because you can't, um, empower women, women and girls without also working with men and, and, um, and encouraging them to have, um, you know, to, to encourage the women in their lives to be comfortable sending their girls to school and be actually not only comfortable sending their girls, but become actual advocates for girls' education empowerment. And we have seen such powerful results when you can see the fathers getting behind their daughters. Um, and so everything we do has a gender lens. We look at, at um, how we can create male, positive male role models and, um, and then how we can also support boys to be successful in education and in the workplace as well. It's certainly, it's a family issue. It's a family concern and everyone needs to be involved. Exactly. Well, you're watching Global Connections Television, which is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We'd invite our viewers to go to our website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous programs. 
Also, if you're involved with the PBS or Community Access Television Station, or perhaps an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or you just have a computer, you have a website, you like our shows, you want to share them, please feel free to do so. Global Connections Television is provided free at no cost as a public service to help us better understand international issues and how they impact our lives. Today, we're taking a look at a myriad of organizations that are working to help create a better world. And my guest is an expert on all of them. Uh, Carrie Hessler Radlett joined Project Concern International as president and CEO in 2017 after serving as the 19th director of the United States Peace Corps. She also is the current president of Global Communities, which is in the process of merging with PCI. Carrie, we're, we're talking about a wide range of issues here and we're talking about the uh, sustainable development goals and, and your merger and how you bring all of this together. I, I'm just curious, uh, it, it seems like that uh, you, you're outreaching to other organizations like Rotary International. Uh, what about the, the whole UN system? I know it's, it's a large system, it, well, small for the whole world, but <laughs> when you come right down to it, it, it does so much good in many parts of the world. There's certain UN agencies that you're interacting with, uh, the, the UN Very Women's important. or UN Children's Fund or different ones like that? Absolutely. We work almost, well, on a daily basis with the World Food Program because we do a lot of work around uh, food security. Um, we, every day we feed 300,000 school children a day, although we've had to pivot our approaches now because of COVID, but we're very active partners with a World Food Program. We work closely with UNICEF in every country we work in as they are setting standards for working, you know, for working with children. Um, we also work with UNFPA and some of the work, the family planning um, agency to um, Right, the UN, UN Population Fund. Yeah, population UNFPA, fund. right. Yes, Population Fund, yeah. And we, um, yeah, exactly, Population Fund, where we're working on issues related to um, sexual and reproductive health and uh, safe motherhood. Um, we work with UNDP, the development program, which uh, in, works as a major partner to most of the governments with which we work uh, in terms of development progress and setting metrics for um, measuring development gains within each country. So the UN is an incredibly important partner. And the SDGs are valuable because it provides a common framework for all countries around the world, including our own country, to be able to prioritize and plan and promote action within their own country. The other thing about PCI and global communities is that we also work in the United States. We work with the same populations. We work with vulnerable communities, with women and with girls. Uh, we're very focused in the United States around health disparities and equity. Um, and we are also um, very committed to ensuring that the conversation around the SDGs um, takes root in our country as well, because our country also has to report upon our progress in achieving global um, progress. Uh, we have to make sure that we as a nation are doing our best to help to achieve you know, our part of the 17 goals. One of the ones that I've been thinking about in particular is goal number six, which is all about clean water and sanitation. It's something we've been working on with Rotary and with the US government and with the UN. Um, so especially at a time of COVID, um, 
clean water, access to clean water and adequate uh, sanitation facilities is critically important in the fight against COVID. So we're, we're working collaboratively with, uh, with um, Rotary and um, the US government on that, mm-hmm. al- along with the UN. It, it certainly is, it certainly is. And uh, before I forget it, we need to put out, uh, your website is pciglobal.org. Uh-huh. And of course, we mentioned the UN earlier. We give the UN a plug, www.un.org. And also, can I add the Global Communities website? Please do, yes. <laughs> www.globalcommunities.org. Okay, very good, yes. These are all very informative websites and ones that can help us better understand international issues. Well, we do have another video, and we were talking about how important it is for girls and women to become educated and become leaders in their communities. This is the menstrual hygiene room. Karibu. I've been working with PCI for about two years. In those two years, we have built over 70 latrines and over 60 rainwater harvesting tanks. We now have opted to try boreholes as a more reliable source of water. Before having boreholes in schools, students would have to bring water from home. In the morning, they would carry a 10-liter bucket to school, each one of them. They would fetch this water from ponds at home and they used to share these ponds with cattle and other farming activities. So it was not clean water. Carrie, that just highlighted how important it is to look at the entire spectrum, especially with young girls when they're attending school. What are some of the obstacles that are in their way? And of course, having sanitary conditions, having a bathroom, having privacy can make all of the difference in the world and so many of these projects that we see in developing country, economically developing countries really can be done very inexpensively, very cheaply, and can literally transform a person's life. It can help that person launch a career and become quite successful. You've run into that, I'm sure, quite a bit, have you not? Oh my goodness, yes. I mean, one of the most important investments we can make is an investment in a girl and a girl's education um, and supporting their success at school. An educated girl, is gonna marry later, is gonna have fewer children, is gonna have healthier children, should be less likely to acquire HIV. She will be more active and engaged in her community. And there are so many long-term benefits that come from educating and empowering girls. And part of that is is, is something as simple as having um, safe, safe and and clean health facilities, um, or sorry, sanitation facilities at their school. You can't imagine how many schools there are around the world that do not have access to clean water and a a strong and secure latrine. Um, I have been to so many uh, schools around the world where children have to defecate in the open. And if you can imagine how embarrassing that would be as a young girl, um, and especially if she's having her monthly period, it, it's, it's really a huge barrier to girls being able to continue their education. Um, so just the construction of, of, um, of latrines that are clean and safe and that are close to an access point for water and have soap can be a huge, huge um, 
incentive for a young girl to stay in school. Because imagine having to miss school once a month for about a week because you feel too ashamed to be able to go to school during your, your monthly menstrual period. So that is um, one very important uh, intervention that we can um, point to. And uh, Global Communities and PCI have been very involved, as I said earlier, in water and sanitation. Um, and as, as a critical point um, in, in supporting girls' education empowerment. Another one that I alluded to earlier and I think is so important, and that is just having parental support for girls. Um, oftentimes, families will uh, prioritize a boy's education over a girl's education because girls get married off at an early age in some places and um, go off and live with their husband's family and aren't perceived to bring economic benefit to the family. So working with families so that they can see that uh, investing in girls will not only be good for the girl, but it will be good for the family and for the community and for their nation really um, is, is another important um, intervention that we do. And we work frequently with women as part of our Women Empowered program. We talk about the importance of uh, educating their girls. Another important intervention is um, ensuring that girls don't get married too early. Um, it's, it's a big problem throughout the, the developing world that girls are getting married too early and then they have to drop out of school. And, and then that sometimes means that they become pregnant at an early age and that um, that is a major contributor to maternal mortality when young girls who are really not physically ready um, to have a child become pregnant and um, deliver. So I've mentioned a couple of interventions that are important in terms of empowering uh, girls and women around the world. They certainly are. And they're ones that we need to learn much more about. And we certainly learned a lot more about them today. But uh, Carrie, yes, sir, Radlett, I want to thank you so very much for a very interesting and a very informative program. Well, thank you for having me, Bill. It was really a pleasure to be with you. My pleasure. I'm Bill Miller. Thank you for joining us today on Global Connections Television.